Beautiful song. Thank you for that, Ashley. It'll come time for the reading of uh, God's Word. And if you'll look, there's a Bible in front of you in the pew rack, or uh, you can follow along on the screen. Our passage of Scripture this evening is Psalm chapter 16, Psalm chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. There are only 1 through 6 is up there. I did add an additional two verses. So Psalm 16, verses 1 through 8. Those of you who are able, if you'll please stand at this time, we'll be reading Psalm chapter 16 and verses uh, 1 through verse number 8. I'll read and you can follow along. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied, that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up of their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me into the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I'm going to speak uh, this evening. I don't think it'll be long tonight. We'll be out by 7 o'clock. Oh, I'm sorry, 6 o'clock. Um, but uh, I won't be long this evening, I don't think. But uh, if I was to title uh, what I'm speaking on tonight, it would be Living and Leaving a Lasting Legacy. Or, Will You Leave a Goodly Heritage? And uh, let's have a word of prayer, and you can be seated, and we'll start. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for all you've done for us today. I thank you for that we have a place to come and worship together. I thank you for loving us. I pray you just speak through us tonight through your word. In your name I pray, amen. You can be seated. I'm going to start, I guess, with a little bit of a, I'm going to go to this, Andrew, uh, kind of a little bit of a, uh, uh, just a, a little testimony about uh, my life and where I grew up. Uh, if you'll show that first picture there, I think you have a picture, Andrew. Uh, this is a picture of my mom and dad and uh, with my two daughters when they were uh, just uh, knee-high to a grasshopper. My dad always used to use that phrase. But uh, Caitlin on the bottom and Kristen on the top. But Jim and Shirley Bailey. I grew up in uh, Adrian, Michigan. Uh, it's, uh, as all Michigan people always say, if, you've, if you're from Michigan, you always use the little mitten here and, and point where you were. It was down right down here on the bottom. And uh, Adrian, Michigan. And my mom and dad, when they were uh, interesting story, just briefly, they were, uh, my dad went to Adrian College to, uh, to get a degree in radio broadcast, and he was a sports uh, writer, and he wanted to become a sports announcer. He did cover many World Series and different things for uh, the Telegram and Detroit Free Press, and he went to Adrian College. He was 10 years older than my mom. He was 32. My mom was uh, 22 when they met. They went on a double date. And uh, my dad uh, went on a date with a young lady, and my mom went on a date with my dad's best friend. And uh, they went on this date together, and they spent the majority of uh, the date, or as he would say, I wasn't saved back then, the dance. Uh, they spent a majority of the dance that night uh, talking to one another rather than their own date. 
Interesting story, my dad ended up marrying, obviously, my mom. His best friend ended up marrying my dad's date. So they basically swapped dates and ended up getting married. And uh, both of them ended up staying married to get, uh, both of those sets of uh, dates, ended up staying married for almost 50 years. And uh, that's where they met. And uh, they grew up, my dad and mom uh, were reached after, not long after they were saved and began going to a, a Baptist church there in Adrian. And they had my first sister, uh, Margie, my oldest, and then they had another daughter, uh, Diana, and then they had my youngest sister, Becky. And I remember growing up in a home where I constantly had a godly example of a mom and dad. Uh, I never knew what it was like to see alcohol in my home. Uh, I never knew what it was like uh, to, to hear cuss words in my home. I rarely, uh, for the majority of my life, my parents did not have a TV, and uh, we couldn't watch any television. And so I, I rarely ever, now every once in a while, for a little time, we had a TV, and we would, uh, when my parents were gone, I would tell my mom, but we'd go up, and we'd take the TV out of the closet, and we'd watch Gilligan's Island. And, uh, but all those different things. And I remember having this, uh, this godly heritage of a mom and dad, an example to watch. Uh, I would come down stairs in the morning, and my dad would be uh, sitting there at the table, reading his Bible before he went to work uh, at the cabinet maker that he worked at for almost 40 years. My mama also often the same a little later, but she'd be a godly example to each one of us as we were growing up. I didn't just have Jim and Shirley Bailey, though, as a godly example to follow in my life. Uh, there was, uh, as we used to call her, the Wicked Witch. Her name was Mrs. Knowlton. She was my kindergarten teacher in my Christian school. And uh, she, would, uh, she taught us discipline. Uh, she would make us write our alphabet over and over and over again if you didn't uh, print exactly the way you were supposed to. And she'd come around with a ruler and, and kind of hit you on the arm if you were doing a poor job. I mean, she was, she was a rough lady. But uh, I remember there was Mrs. Knowlton. Uh, there was uh, Keith Corbin, who was my first pastor that I remember as a child growing up at Westerham Baptist. He was an example in my life. My pastor for the majority of my high school years was Mike Cox, and then my first youth pastor, who maybe had one of the biggest influences in my life, uh, he, his name is Brian Deverick. he works at West Coast, up at West Coast in Lancaster. He was my first youth pastor. I remember the first time we ever went to Berean, and uh, Brian Deverick was uh, preaching our youth chapel. I remember walking into, uh, we had come from a church outside of town, and we went to Berean for the first time, and I remember Brian Deverick uh, getting up in our youth chapel and just, I mean, he was, he, was, he, was, he was preaching hellfire and brimstone. I mean, scared the bejeebers out of us almost about uh, keeping your morals uh, straight and uh, not uh, touching the opposite sex and just uh, all kinds of standards in his life that he wanted us to develop as teenagers and just sitting there thinking, man, this, this is unbelievable. But he was an influence in my life. Todd Hogue, my youth pastor for my uh, sophomore through senior year, was a huge influence. Gary Bowman, who was my Christian school principal, who I'll never forget, uh, when I was a senior, at the beginning of my senior year, I came to the altar, and uh, I was kneeling at the altar, and my Christian school principal, all of a sudden I felt an arm around my shoulder, and I looked over, and it was Gary Bowman. And he asked if he could pray for me to be an example in our senior class that year. Just a great godly testimony to me. 
there was also my basketball coach who had a huge, huge influence, influence in my life, uh, Ken Turner, uh, who taught young men uh, to have discipline and character to never quit, and from a uh, spiritual, godly perspective. So many different people put their time and effort into my life as a young person. And there's young people in this room tonight that, uh, or, or yourself, you can put yourself in there. You can say, you can think back to when you were a young person and you may have a totally different testimony than I do. Uh, I was, uh, I had the privilege of being able to grow up in a Christian home from uh, grand, uh, parents who were Christians. You might not have had that opportunity. However, all of us today, whether you're young or old, whether you have children or not, you're a testimony to the young people in this room tonight. Uh, if you are here tonight and you're uh, Kathleen and David sitting back here and you have no children with you, there are children in this room that watch you. There are children that say, boy, those people, they come to church every time the doors are open. You're a godly testimony to them. You're an influence in their, their life. You might think, well, I'm not the, I'm not the youth pastor. I'm not the, uh, their Sunday school teacher. I just I go to my own Sunday school class, but they, they watch you. Uh, if you're uh, a middle-aged person here and you don't have any children yet, there's people that watch you and, and look up to you in this room. All these different people had influences in my life. I was reading a survey from 2017 Two-thirds, or 66%, of teenagers who went to an evangelical or Protestant church for at least one year during their teenage years end up dropping out by the time they're age 22. And that was in 2017. That was actually up a a little bit, was 60% in 2007, jumped to 66%, dropped out by 2017. I have a goodly heritage to think and to reflect back on. So many different aspects, though, went into that. There could have just been one of these people in my life that sidetracked me to go a direction that I shouldn't. And I want to give you four points, uh, four different things tonight, or snares to avoid, from not being able to look back and say, boy, I left a lasting legacy or a goodly heritage. I was watching this uh, show the other day. I'm, I'm not, I am by no means a Daniel Boone. Uh, I would not be in the likes of uh, Brother Resentis or, or Robert, who know everything there is about hunting. Uh, but I was watching this show, and it just captivated me because it was snowing. And it looked pretty cool. But it was something like, uh, I can't remember the name exactly of it, uh, but like trapping Alaska or something. And uh, these men were going around. They'd ride on this snowmobile, and they would run a trap line. Now, until I watched this show, I didn't really, I'd heard the term trap line before, you know, but they'd go around and they would uh, set these traps, snares, they put out what they called snares, and they would put some bait in those snares, and sometimes they would, they would lead down or crunch down the snow to make it a little easier for, uh, they were going after, I think, a, a lynx, they were going after uh, let's see, um, wolverines. They were going after just a bunch of different things for the furs, and they would sell these things. And uh, they'd put this bait in there. And then sometimes they would take some brush and different uh, things, and they would put it on the backside of this snare, 
so that the animal would go around and intentionally go into where their snare was at. They'd set all these snares out, and then the next day they'd ride their 200-mile trap line or whatever on their, and you're saying, is that all you have? I mean, that's, that's taking up your time? Yeah, I just, it was late at night, and I'm just like, this is cool. And uh, I want to be like Brother Resentis. And, um, but uh, I don't know if he runs trap line or not, but I was watching this, I'm thinking, that's kind of cool. I wish I could be a hunter like that. And I, t- I even said to my wife, I said, I'd love to go to Alaska sometime and just ride in a snowmobile like that. But, um, so, and then the next day they would come back, and sometimes uh, they'd go by, and sure enough, there was whatever they were looking for, a cat or a, a, you know, a, a cougar, I don't know what they were, all these different animals that they would get, and they'd take the skins and they'd, the pelts, and they'd go back and they'd sell them. But what happened to each of those animals when they got caught by that snare? They were... They were enticed in some cases, and it caused them to go in and get trapped. They couldn't get back out. I would say here's four different snares or traps to causing us to not leave a goodly heritage. Number one, we think we are spiritual because we are around others who are spiritual. We think we're godly because we hang around other people who are godly. You know, I, when I was a young person, I would come downstairs and I would see my dad reading his Bible. And my mom and dad would say, Andy, go read your Bible. And I would go read my Bible. Sometimes I would find myself going out and shooting hoops instead. And my dad would come back and say, did you read your Bible? No, sir. Go inside and read your Bible. I didn't have a choice. My mom and dad said, this is the path you're going to take. And you're going to follow it. But there came a time in my life, my freshman year of college, and for those of you, there's a few young men, you're going off to college. I find that your freshman year of college, just from 25 years working with college young people, probably one of the most difficult times in your life. When you're going out on your own, you don't have mom and dad constantly looking over your shoulder, telling you what to do, trying to guide you spiritually. Uh, Your schedule and your whole life has changed. You have roommates, you have job, you have finances, you have class, you have this, that, and everything else. I remember sitting there in my dorm room and all these different things, ministry involvement and uh, a a job, working full-time, having to uh, go to class every day, having to live the schedule of a college life, sitting there taking my Bible and thinking, do I really want to read this today? It wasn't good enough at that point that my mom and dad walked with God. It was, was Andy Bailey going to walk with God? You might say, oh, but man, my wife, she's spiritual. Good enough for me. But are you spiritual? I'm, I'm preaching to myself tonight. Each one of us. You can say, oh, I go to a church where I have a godly pastor. But Pastor Mason's faith and his walk with God is not going to be sufficient enough for you. You're going to have to have your own personal walk with God. I need to have my own personal walk with God. But it's easy to get to that point where you say, well, hey, my mom and dad, they're spiritual. My, uh, my youth pastor, uh, he's spiritual. My Sunday school teacher, he's spiritual. So that's good enough for me. I'm spiritual too. But when the time comes where you're off on your own, before that age of 22, as the survey says, will 
the heritage and the goodly heritage that your parents have, are you going to take that on? I put, in, uh, put down here, turn to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. I'll read it. It says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's easy sometimes to play the comparison game. Well, at least I go to church once a week. At least I go to face share once a month. At least I, you know, my friend that I go to work with, I know he, he never goes to church, but I go once a month. And of course, you're, be, you'll, you're to be commended for being here on a Sunday evening with the beautiful weather outside. And uh, that's a great testimony to those, to you and to those around you to watch after. But don't take the opportunity to look around and say, well, at least my Christianity is better than them. At least I read my Bible and spend time in prayer more than my wife does. It's, what is your personal relationship with God tonight? We think we're spiritual because we hang around those who are. I'm going to say to the teenagers and the young people tonight, don't depend on your mom and dad's spiritual walk with God to help you make it. Some point you have to say, I want what they have. Not just, well, I'll just ride along on their shirt tails. Number two, I put down the second snare. We think we've heard it all before. Often, and I'm, just, I'm talking about myself here too sometimes, we'll be sitting in church, we'll be hearing the preaching, and we'll sit there and we'll think, I agree. I'm listening, I hear it, I agree with it, but then often we do nothing about it, and myself included. We hear it, we agree, because we've heard it and we've believed it and we agree with what's being said, but then we put no action into it. We may even get to the point where we hear it, We agree with it, and we even talk to God and say, okay, I'm going to change that. But then we put no action into it. Sometimes it's easy just to get comfortable in the Christian life. Just go to church, listen to the preaching, and I'm I'm talking about myself, I'm human just like you are, listen to the preaching, but not really act on the conviction that God puts in our life. Sometimes it's easy to get casual. We have a, a Dalmatian dog. Her name's Belle, and uh, it's my wife's dog, and, uh, but for some reason, I always take care of it. Uh, but we have this Dalmatian dog, and uh, we, she loves to run. I mean, she runs like a horse, and uh, I have this really fun thing I like to do. I like to take her on a run, and I just ride my bike, and she pulls me along. My daughters will tell you, and uh, Julia has babysat for us a few times. She can tell you this dog is a beast, and she literally, she'll pull me straight uphill. I never have to pedal one time. It's the best form of exercise bike riding you will ever have. And I'm not, I'm, you ask my daughters, they will tell you the truth. I'm not exaggerating. She pulls us the entire way. And uh, there's this park we go to. She'll pull us everywhere. everywhere. And uh, she's very, very hyper. When we get to this school, Edie Ridge School, they have a track there. The, the, this uh, trail that we have, the bike trail, 
comes out and it ends at E Ridge School. Maybe it goes around and through, I don't know. But it comes to E Ridge, and my daughters will go to the playground. And I'll just let Belle just run. And she'll run around the track, pulling me, while I just hold the leash, hold my one hand over my brake, and just kind of sit there and just think, you know, hey, this is living. I mean, I got a built-in four-wheeler. And uh, so, uh, four paws. And so I'm sitting there. The other day I was... I was riding, I've ridden with Bell just over and over and over again. Well, I decided, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take the, it's one of those retractable leashes, it's got a little uh, circle hand like this, and my uh, bike that I have, mountain bike, has these little uh, um, handles that you can hold on to like this, or you can, you know, normal. So I just took the leash and I set it over the end of that, uh, spike that went up in the air, and I just thought, oh, this is nice. Now she's just pulling my bike. I'm not even holding the leash. I'm just sailing along, just cruising. Everybody's watching me like, man, that's cool. I mean, you know, that's a cool thing. Until Belle spotted a cat. <laughs> this cat, I have no idea why this cat was at E. Ridge School. Maybe it was looking for mice. I don't know. But uh, looking for scraps. This cat comes running out, almost darts directly towards where the track was at, and Bell spots it. Bell's on the left side of my bike. The cat is running along the right side of the trail. Before I could even think what happened, Bell, going full blast straight ahead, decides to go full blast to the left, straight across in front of me, which then takes the leash on my handlebar and spins it around. And all of a sudden, there I go. I mean, there was uh, Little League baseball games going on in the infield, Little League baseball games going on on the field, on the football field, inside the track. I mean, it was, it was, it was everybody everywhere. And all of a sudden, she, she flips, and all I, all I remember is just going head over heels. I'm rolling down the track. Now, as my dog is chasing with her leash, flying behind her after this cat. I'm laying there, and these people are coming up to me. Hey, are you okay? You know, trying to go get my dog. What happened? I got to be, I was too casual. I thought, hey, I got this made. And you know, it's the same way it is in the Christian life sometimes. We get to be where we just let our guard down a little bit, and that's when the devil decides, hey, that's my opportunity. And before we know it, we're trapped in a snare. The snare of, yeah, I heard it. Yeah, I agree with it. But I'm not going to do anything about it. Number three, I put down... We think serving God is a duty, not an opportunity. We think serving God is a duty and not an opportunity. Let's look and turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22 and verse number 37. Matthew 22 and verse... 37, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. We begin to think that serving God is a duty, not an opportunity. If we love the Lord, we'll desire to serve him, or to be with him, and to please him. My wife loves to go to antique stores. Why? I, I guess because her mom liked to go to antique stores. She loves to go to antique stores and look for children's books. Uh, that's her one thing. She goes to antique stores. She doesn't care about the antiques. All she goes to is try to find children's books. And uh, she loves to read. She loves children's books. And I remember the first time my wife, after we were just married, she says, um, 
honey, how about we go to, on the square in Crown Point, there are several antique stores. How about we go to the antique store? And I thought to myself, an antique store? I've never been to one in my life. An antique store. Yes, an antique store. So I remember getting in the car saying, sure, honey, because uh, I love to be with my wife. I loved Jennifer Bailey. So I took her to the antique store. We get in the antique store, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, this stuff, this is just a bunch of junk. I mean, it's got all this stuff here and everywhere. I mean, what in the world? And uh, I remember it wasn't too long after we were in that antique store, my wife came up to me, and she said, you don't really enjoy this, do you? And I said, I lied. And I said, yes, I love this. This is great. I mean, this is better than a football game. And, uh, but she's looking around like she's in heaven, you know. And in all reality, I began to now, after almost 20 years of marriage, I enjoy taking my wife to an antique store. Do I enjoy looking at the dishes of 50 years old? Uh, no. But I love to take my wife. Why? Because I love Jennifer Bailey. I know that it makes her happy. She enjoys my company. Love the Lord with all your heart. Enjoy being with him. Last point I put down is we look for fault or don't follow those who are happily serving God. Look in uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. I think this is about the last passage we'll, we'll read tonight. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We look for fault or don't follow after those who are happily serving God. That statistic, two-thirds or 66% of young people, leave church by age 22. I was counseling a, a young man. I was in discipline about three or four years ago. And uh, he had gotten to the point where he came to college, just had a terrible attitude and began to break the rules, just constantly, constantly disrespectful to the staff and faculty. He ended up getting to the point where he had to be expelled from college. As I sat there across the desk from him and explained to him that he was being asked to leave the college, after I would go through all the details of why he had to leave college and that he was being asked to leave, I would then try to pick up the pieces. You know, this doesn't mean the end. Uh, you can still, God can still use you. He can still use your life. Don't let the devil say you're good for nothing. Let this be a determining that, hey, I'm going to turn myself around and I'm going to begin following after God. Get a walk with God. Get around those. I said, get with the people back home that you, that you know that can help you. And I said, I could sense a little bit of, just a little bit of, um, I don't know, just kind of his countenance fell a little bit. And I said, uh, tell me about uh, your mom and dad. And he began to tell me how his mom and dad had divorced just before he came to Bible college. And I said, okay. I said, so who are you going to be living with? He said, well, I'm going to be, I'm actually probably living with my grandpa. I said, okay. I said, how about your pastor? He said, no, I never got close to my pastor. And I said, okay, how about, uh, was there somebody that influenced in your life when you were in school? No, nah, most of my teachers, my parents didn't like. 
As I began to talk to this young man, I found that what had happened in his life is every person in his life, his parents had criticized to the point where there was no positive influence. I would just, I would just want to illustrate this briefly here. If I can have, Benny, why don't you come on up here? We have a life of a teenager. We have here some, get this out, out here. I thought I had it to where I wouldn't uh, get it messed up. Let's uh, take one of these, Benny, and, uh, and now it's going to give me all kinds of problems. I, my, my wife will tell you I practice with this thing at home to try to make sure that it didn't do what it's doing right now. But uh, just give me a second. We're almost here. should take this one. Tie that rope right there, Benny, around your waist, just a knot there. And after you tie that one, tie this rope right here around your waist. I need, uh, let's see, I need somebody to come up here and play Jesus. I need a Jesus up here, or God. How about uh, <laughs> your younger brother? No. How about, uh, let's have, let's have, uh, let's have uh, Evan. Evan, come on up here. And uh, we need a big, we need somebody that can really pull you along here to be Jesus. Evan, you come on up here. Tie, tie here. There you go. Evan, you come over there and uh, you take this rope here and uh, go down to that end of the platform. Take the end of it. And, and uh, Benny, you stay right here in the middle. And uh, let's see, I need somebody to play the devil. So uh, let's see. I already spoke to him because I told him, I said, I'm going to ask you to be the devil tonight, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. So uh, Brother Roger, come on up here. Brother Roger is going to be the devil he said, I can look ugly, I can look mean, so he's going to be the devil. Okay, so we have the devil here, Roger. You don't look like the devil, Roger, but you're going to play that part tonight. We have the devil, Roger, and we have God over here. Now, God over here is going to be, this is your young person, this is... Uh, your teenager. This is my Caitlin. This is my Kristen. This is uh, your uh, Janessa and Jojo and Christopher and every teenager that's here in the room tonight. Evan, God, is going to be pulling Benny towards him. Only problem is we got this other guy, this bad guy, terrible man, just ugly, mean person, the devil. And he is... He's pulling on Benny also this direction. So Evan let him pull him a little bit this way. And so you got the devil pulling on Benny, and you got the God, you have God pulling on Benny this direction. Now, what's the difference in a teenager that can make it and one that ends up going by the wayside? Let's have a, let's have, let's see, I asked. Who did I ask to be? Zach. I asked Zach to be the dad tonight. Zach, why don't you and your wife both come up here tonight? Tie that around your waist here. And I realize it's 5.53, and this will take just a couple more minutes. We'll be done. You're going to take that into that rope. Okay. And uh, so you have dad here, 
And uh, then you're going to have another rope around you here. Let's see, here, I'll, I'll do this one here. We're doing that one. And uh, all these ropes are going to be influences in Benny's life. Now you have mom, and she's got a hold of him. Now you're going to have, let's see, uh, let's have uh, church leadership. So let's have Brother Robert. Why don't you come on up? And uh, church leadership, this represents... Uh, the pastor, Sunday school teacher, uh, deacons in the church, different people in the church that uh, have roles to play and, and people look up to. And we have church leadership. Take the end of that rope. Okay. Now we have, uh, if you're in a Christian school, maybe you have, or a school, you have teachers in your life. They're going to influence you. And this will be the last rope, and we'll just go from here. Let's see, uh, who can we have be a teacher? Let's have uh, Mrs. Hokuma. You're a teacher, aren't you? Have Mrs. Hokuma come on up, and she'll be a teacher. Okay? Here you are. Take that, that rope. Okay, so we have, you could add a few more ropes into this, but for the sake of time, we will not. You have a teenager, Benny. Oh, thank you. And uh, the goal is to have Benny be pulled towards God. So in the right home example, we have Zach is going to begin pulling in the direction of God. Hey, come on, Benny. Follow after God. Follow after God. You have church leadership. and, and Now, Roger, you continue to try to pull on him a little bit here. Uh, and you have church leadership, Brother Robert. He's pulling on Benny. Hey, he's the influence. Brother Robert's here every Sunday afternoon, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. He's a role model. Him look to say, boy, that guy's a faithful person. I think I need to follow after him. He begins to pull on Benny. Mom says, hey Benny, you need to you need to follow after God. She begins to pull on Benny. Christian school teacher, she starts pulling on Benny. Now what happens? Benny's being pulled by all these people towards God, and you got the devil over here trying, oh, come on, Benny, come on, come on, come on, Benny. Pull, Roger. There you go. And so he's trying to pull. I mean, if we squeeze Benny, how's that feel, Benny? Good? Okay. Now, here's what happens. In the time that I've spent working with young people, I found one common denominator. Mom says she gets into a friction with Dad. No, don't listen to dad. Dad doesn't know what he's talking about. Belittles dad, is negative about dad, constantly is riding dad to where Benny says, I ain't listening to dad no more. So what happens? Benny just lost a rope. Now dad says, oh, it's not my fault. It's your fault, woman. And he begins to belittle mom. Now what happens? He loses mom's rope. Mom and dad begin to, every time they have an opportunity, say, yeah, but you wouldn't, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe what the pastor said. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Boy, if he wouldn't have done this and wouldn't have done that, or boy, I can't believe your Sunday school teacher did that, or they said this. They're constantly criticizing church leadership, and so Benny says, well, forget that, I'm not listening to that. He loses that. Mom and dad begin criticizing the Christian school. Oh, they don't, 
that school doesn't have a clue what they're talking about. No wonder why. Whatever. And so that rope's gone. Now what do you got? Instead of all of this team being of one spirit, saying, hey, come on. Come on, Mom. Pick up the rope. Let's pull them towards God. Pick up the rope. Dad, let's pull them towards God. Pick up the rope. Christian school teacher. Let's all got. We got to get Benny. We got to get Benny over here to God. Instead, they're too busy fighting, putting each other down, criticizing each other. And before you know it, all the ropes have dropped. And Benny says, forget that. You know what? If all those people that were godly are all so bad, I'm not paying attention to God either. And he walks right out of that life. Often, I would find in dealing with discipline, what happened is you had a teenager who at one time had a desire to serve God until the roles in each part of leadership in his life said, every one of them has problems. If you want to leave a goodly heritage, you can, all, you can be seated. Benny, you can just sit down in the front row there and we'll get you all untied in just a second. Thanks. Give Benny a hand. How about that? He's six inches skinnier than he used to be, but hey, good. Good for him. If we want to leave behind a goodly heritage, let's be a testimony to those that are following after us. Let's decide to live a holy spiritual life. Let's decide to love serving the Lord, not just Oh, man, got to do it again. And not only that, lastly, let's be of one spirit together, striving together for the cause of Christ. You'll look back and you'll say, boy, I'm glad I have a, throw it out there, a Haley Resentis who's following after God. I'm glad I have a uh, Garrett Oakman who's following after the Lord. And you can fill in so many others. Matt, different uh, teenagers and Christian young people that are following after the Lord. You can look back and say, I left a goodly heritage. But we'll only do that if we can strive together, love the Lord, have our own spiritual walk with Him, and then leave behind a goodly heritage by working together for the cause of Christ. Let's pray and uh, have an invitation. Dear Lord, I thank you for... Tonight, I pray you just help each and every one of us, maybe especially towards the parents this evening, myself included, help us to realize.